Will I still have a house in a month? Home is love. Affordable housing really fills a need. Home is hope. You're always grateful to have a roof over your head. Eden Housing is that hope. Welcome to the Affordable Housing Podcast, brought to you by Eden Housing. Silicon Valley has some of the most expensive housing in the U.S. It also has some of the widest income gaps. Hi, I'm Joanne Green, and on this episode of the Affordable Housing Podcast, brought to you by Eden Housing, I'm in conversation with California State Assembly member Mark Berman, whose district includes this fascinating region. Berman was born in Dallas and grew up in Palo Alto. He did his undergraduate work at Georgetown and has a law degree from USC. He's practiced with two law firms, co-authored the Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights with Assembly member Lorena Gonzalez, and has become a leading voice on protecting voters from deceptive elections practices. Assembly member Berman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. In the past, you've worked for housing affordability for middle-income families. You've supported legislation strengthening eviction protections. And you've also promoted denser affordable housing development near transit, which, of course, is key. So, first of all, on behalf of everyone at Eden and everyone listening to this podcast, thank you. My pleasure. Now we find ourselves in a very different scenario in the wake of a global pandemic that doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. What do you think the state can do in this emergency to ensure that lower-income households, inexpensive communities, can live where they work? Mm. I, I think the first thing we need to do is, is do no harm. Uh, and the state, uh, in conjunction with local governments across California, took immediate action to prohibit evictions uh, and provide relief to tenants who experienced financial harm due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And many of these were temporary measures that expire at the end of May. And as we get closer to the end of this month, I think it's become more and more clear that these efforts really need to be extended as we realize the depth of this pandemic uh, is is much deeper um, and, and more challenging than we thought it might originally be. Uh, but we also need to take a step back and acknowledge how messed up things had already gotten leading into this pandemic. Uh, so when we look at who the residents are who can least afford to rent a home in the Bay Area or rent a home in my district in Silicon Valley, it's the grocery store clerks and those who care for our young children and our seniors uh, and, and which professionals can least afford to buy a home in my district. Uh, it's the teachers and the nurses and, and even the doctors. But in the face of this devastating health pandemic, who did we immediately designate as essential workers? It was not the coders at the tech companies or the venture capitalists or the lawyers, uh, those who might earn enough to live in my district. It was the grocery store clerks and the childcare workers and the nurses and the doctors. So I think we as a society really need to look in the mirror uh, and we need to ask ourselves if these industries and these jobs are so essential why do we pay them so poorly? And, and why don't we build enough housing? Uh, and why don't we build enough of the types of housing that they can afford? Well, these are questions that, you know, it may be the silver lining, right, in the pandemic, that at least it gets us to focus on issues that some of us were yelling and screaming about beforehand. Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate that there's going to be um, much of a negative reaction to the idea of extending um these actions protecting people against eviction and all that uh, when it expires at the end of May? 
I'm I'm sure there will. Um, I'm I'm sure there will by by certain you know industries and, and certain groups and certain lobbyists. Um, but I I think there's I hope there's consensus that um, you know we we that's something that's important to do for people who have been financially impacted by this crisis. Um, and some of us have been a little bit surprised to see that um, you know there isn't comprehensive data, but the data that that has been available shows that most people are still paying their rent. Um, and that's great. Um, but for those who have lost jobs or who have lost hours, uh, because of this health crisis, um, we need to make sure that they can afford, they can, they have the ability to stay in their homes. Um, because the last thing we want is them being kicked out of the street, uh, finding themselves homeless where they're frankly most at risk of contracting COVID, uh, and, and leading to, um, you know, uh, another hot spot in our area that we've worked so hard to try to to try to overcome. Absolutely, there was a lot of hope in the Bay Area for historically large ballot measures this November that could raise funds to address some of the region's transportation and housing challenges. Well, now we've got roads that are empty, public transit suffering from a lack of ridership. And the need for affordable housing is, of course, greater than ever. Do you think those measures will still be on the ballot? And if they are, would voters support them? I don't think all of the measures that were being discussed will be on the ballot. I know the, the proponents of the faster Bay Area measure, the huge, uh, you know, over $100 billion mega measure, uh, have already announced that uh, they're going to push their measure out beyond the 2020 election cycle. But I do believe that that smaller, more regional measures might still continue. And I do think there's support in the community. Uh, you know, we, we value our public transit uh, we, because we want to reduce the traffic on our roads. Uh, and so I, I, I'll be curious to see. I haven't seen any polling data in the last couple of months, but I know Caltrain was still thinking about doing a measure. And I'm sure across the Bay Area, there are other efforts. Um, that I wouldn't be surprised to see those still end up on the ballot in November. And I would expect, uh, I, I would hope, I should say, uh, that, that the, re- the Bay Area residents would still support them. I think uh, uh, an advocacy group that favors public transit uh, sent an email around yesterday that I haven't had a chance to look at. And the top line was that they say that members of the public do still support uh, a lot of these efforts. So, We'll see what makes it onto the ballot, but um, I imagine I'll probably be a supporter of these efforts and do everything I can to, to make sure that they get the support they need to succeed. California voters have a history of supporting local measures to build affordable housing, but unfortunately then many of those same people oppose developments in their own neighborhoods. So given your focus on electoral reforms to ensure that every vote's counted, how do you weigh in on how Californians vote on housing issues? Do you think election outcomes on housing represent the majority of voters? It's a great question. And I wonder, taking the second question first, I'm not sure that election outcomes on housing represent the majority of residents, um, which is different than the majority of voters. Uh, I, I think many of the people who need affordable housing the most either can't vote or they don't vote. Uh, either they aren't citizens or they are so overwhelmed by the struggle of just surviving in the Bay Area that they simply don't find the time to vote. Or they're a little more transient and they move around from a city to a city a little more often every year or a couple of years. And so they don't feel connected to where they live and they don't think voting 
is that important? And, and data shows that if you own a home, you're more likely to vote. Uh, but it's more often than not the renters who have the most at stake in terms of livelihood and ability to pay for housing in those decisions that are made at the ballot box. So I've worked on efforts to try to make it as easy as possible for people to vote. Uh, this November uh, is going to be especially challenging. And I introduced a bill a month ago to require California and, and every county to mail every voter a ballot in the mail. Uh, the governor just late last week had an executive order to require the same thing. So hopefully by by reducing barriers to voting and making it as easy as possible to vote, uh, more people, including more renters, um, find themselves able to vote and, and, you know, see it as easy as possible. We also the the, the envelopes that people are sent are uh, pre postage paid. So really all you have to do is fill in the bubbles uh, and stick it back in the mail. And we want to make sure that people can vote in a safe way this November. And for a lot of people, that's going to be from the safety of their, their living room. Boy, I wish that could be rolled out nationally. And I know I'm not alone in wishing that. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Right. These days, since COVID, lower income households, of course, are struggling to pay rent, which means hundreds of thousands of affordable homes could face foreclosure and also the loss of the rent-restricted status that keeps them affordable. A new study um, by the California Housing Consortium shows that without a major new multi-billion dollar rent payment assistance program, there could be widespread defaults of affordable housing properties. Do you think Californians have the political willpower to do something about that? I do. Uh, I think we need support from our federal partners. Uh, California, uh, just like local governments, we constitutionally have to pass a balanced budget. Uh, and as I'm sure uh, a lot of folks have seen, the governor uh, recently announced that we're facing a $54 billion budget deficit. He's actually going to uh, roll out his, the May revise of his budget uh, later today. And, and so we need support, um, financial assistance from the federal government. Um, but there are also cre different creative ideas that are being thrown about uh, here in Sacramento. Uh, some senators had some ideas around how we might be able to create um, sort of tax incentives and tax vouchers uh, that landlords could get in, um, in, in the future for relief that they provide their tenants today. Uh, another colleague is this, uh, a good friend of mine in the assembly, assembly member Monique Lamone, uh, introduced an idea to provide forbearance for six months to a year um, for lenders and it just have that tacked onto the end of their loan term. So there are a lot of different creative ideas that are being introduced and thrown around. Uh, a lot of the details still need to be fleshed out. This is all going to have to happen very fast uh, over the next couple of weeks because we're in a bit of an expedited legislative session because we were in recess for seven weeks when everybody was sheltering at home. Um, so I think we have the political will I don't know what the answer is yet, um, but I think we all recognize the need to provide as much assistance as possible, given the financial constraints that the state all of a sudden finds itself in. It's very encouraging, though, to hear that all this creative thinking, this out-of-the-box approach, um, people are really working behind the scenes. So thanks for sharing that. It uh, makes me feel a lot better. Absolutely. Um, there was a lot of discussion in Sacramento before COVID about this being the year of housing production. 
What's your assessment? Will the state be able to do something big to make housing more affordable this year, or is that just going to have to wait? It, it can't wait. Uh, I mean, the housing, we, a lot of us said early on in this crisis that, yes, we absolutely need to focus a significant amount of our time on the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and, and some of the urgency measures that are necessary. But the crises that we were already facing don't just disappear because of that. And that at the top of that list is the housing crisis, the homelessness crisis, and climate change. And and so we need to keep on moving on those policy initiatives. Um, I, there are probably about a dozen housing bills that are still moving through the legislature. That's less than normal because we have all consolidated our, our bill packages. Uh, for example, I started the year with 20 bills. I now have five um, just because of the, the limited bandwidth that we have and the limited resources that we have. But a lot of the good housing ideas don't cost money. Um, it, it's you know streamlining the approval processes. It's relaxing some of the zoning in certain circumstances. None of that costs the state money, or if it does, it, it costs very little. Um, so I don't think that our new financial situation should be a reason to put these housing initiatives on pause. Um, and, and I don't think that we can afford to wait another year. We know we did a good job last year of passing policies to protect tenants, but we did not do enough on the housing production side, and we just can't wait another year. So um, my hope is that some of these good ideas continue to move forward and that at the end of this year, not only have we done a lot to protect our 40 million residents from the impacts of COVID, uh, but that we've also done a lot more to spur increased housing production, which can and needs to be an economic driver to help us get out of uh, this this economic crisis that we find ourselves in. So there are so many reasons why we need to keep on moving on the, the housing production front. Also good news. Assemblymember Mark Berman, I want to thank you so much for being a tireless advocate for affordable housing always. And of course, thank you for sharing your time and your insights with us today. My pleasure, Joanne. And thanks to Eden Housing for all the work that you all do. I've worked with uh, Linda and others earlier this year uh, to try to make sure that we can get as much affordable housing built uh, in the Bay Area and also work on the housing affordability crisis. So thank you for the work that you and your colleagues do every day. You bet. To hear more episodes of the Affordable Housing Podcast, please visit us at edenhousing.org. 